0: Ladies and gentlemen, kicking off the first stop on his world tour, our new president and prophet, Russell M. Nelson!
1: (coughs) You say you want some revelation? Well, here you go. It's gonna blow your freaking mind. Greetings, brothers and sisters. Welcome to the weekly Mormon News Roundup, where D.B. and Al ruminate on the great and spacious Beehive. This week is November 13th, 2022, episode 23, or sorry, episode 33 coming at you. We have a special guest this week. Greg from Quick Media is joining the program again. We had a great time with him last summer, and we're excited to have him again today. Uh, we're going to discuss some topics like um, why do people leave the church and what can help them come back. Also, the BYU women's volleyball team is facing a boycott, and Fair LDS has responded to the LDS Australia Tithing Scandal. So we're going to go over that. If you'd like to uh, connect with Alan DeBase, you can always meet us at uh, www.mormonnewsroundup.org or send us an email at colob at mormonnewsroundup.org. Uh, of course, it goes right to the top. We're also on Twitter and YouTube. So uh, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, so uh, let you know, DeBase is hiking Mount Rogers in southwest Virginia this weekend but he'll be back for next week. Um, and also, uh, I guess uh, with no further ado, I need to bring on Greg. Greg, how are you doing?
0: Uh, we're rocking and rolling. Uh, doing well. We are uh, you know, we're approaching, I, I think we're approaching now about 40,000 listeners uh, in, on all of our venues combined. Uh, wow. And we are, uh, well, I mean, a lot of things. I've got a book I'm about to finish up here. Get that mm-hmm. uh, out and published here soon, and and then uh, we've got a, a lot of things planned for next year. So yeah, we're uh, we're doing well.
1: Sounds like things are going really good. You got a lot of good projects there. Um, so how's the change.org uh, petitions going for you?
0: you uh, that right there? went real well. I mean, it's still <laughs> up there, but we've pretty much uh, wrapped that up. I think we had about, I think mm-hmm. at the time we had about 5,200 5, uh, Wow signatures on that for uh Mm -hmm. uh, it's what we call an awareness document not really a a a petition right but an awareness document just to get that out to the people in charge of uh well of BYU and Mm -hmm. just to let them uh give them a little bit more information on things that are happening and this is mostly from parents and students uh and and others mm-hmm. that have had uh certain experiences with certain professors at uh, at BYU.
1: Okay, that makes sense. So all right, uh now you do also do some live events from time to time. Um
0: what are those about uh and uh um yeah, can you fill us in on that? Yeah, so we we do a couple of different types of of speaking events. Uh and sometimes they're mixed together. Uh, but you, you know, uh, Quick Media has the the what would we, what would we call it the 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 gospel study side of it where we focus on and that 's mm-hmm. the name of the the, the book that i 'm doing is the the interpreters but it, we focus on these interpreters oh. that I've developed on how to how to uh understand the scriptures a little bit better mm-hmm. and so we do a number of events where we go out and might focus on one or two of those interpreters and and mm-hmm. teach people how to study a little a little bit uh, different than they may have done in the past and then on the other side of things. We focus a lot on building testimonies and uh, navigating the waters, uh, the ever-increasing floodwaters of the philosophies of men out there and, uh, and learning how to um, contrast uh, and separate the differences between a lot of what's happening in our cultural shift right now as compared to what is gospel centered and, and anchored in in internal principles. Okay.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. It sounds like you're on the uh
1: the cutting edge of some real uh groundbreaking things. So I'm excited to hear about that.
0: Yeah, it's fun. One more thing by the way is we also yeah. do a number of uh we'll do speaking in front of uh legislatures. So we've done we've done a number of of state legislatures and 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 smaller government bodies as well where we've gone and, and kind of gone through the explanation, especially when it comes to education <laughs> K to tw- the K to 12 space on things like critical race theory and critical social justice and, uh, identitarianism. So that that's another big part of what we do in, in public speaking.
1: All right. Sounds good. Uh, yeah. Anything else that you'd like to share with us about uh quick media or, uh, about your personal life or religious background before we begin?
0: Uh, no, no, I don't think so. I'm, I'm a lifelong member of the church. Um, uh, mm-hmm. Studied gospel my, my whole life and, and uh, just have a, I feel a need to support it and, and to, uh, I, I, I wouldn't call myself an apologist. I, I don't think mm-hmm. I kind of fit that, that, that narrative of what an apologist might be, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm a faithful member of the church, or at least I try to be, and uh, I, I, I want to see the church do well. And I yeah. want church members to do well.
1: Yeah. Um, something else I really uh, admire and respect about you is that you are a very intellectually uh, authentic and honest person. So we, that's why we're really glad to have you on here. You give us a really good perspective from the uh, the faith, um, the faithful side of things. So we're certainly glad to have you this week. All right. Um, so, Greg, uh, do you have our
0: uh, our Mormon News Roundup joke of the week for us uh, today? Oh wow! Uh, you know, I I racked my brain for this. I'm not a funny guy, and so it's uh, uh, it, it was tough for me. Hopefully, you haven't heard this one before. All right, but uh, what did King Lamoni say to Ammon?
1: Uh, this is a new one. We haven't had this one before. Uh, I I have no idea what did King Lamoni say to Ammon.
0: Uh, could you give me a hand? <laughs>
1: I like it. Well done. Okay. Uh, so um, we've got a couple of follow-ups from uh, last week. Uh, BYU football is on a bye week, so uh, they're going to be playing Utah Tech next week. Um, we also have Mike Lee has won re-election for the state of Utah, so congratulations to Senator Lee for uh, getting another uh, term in office here. Um, is he the second most powerful Mormon in government? Um, possibly and i wonder what the secret of his success is uh, any thoughts on that greg
0: uh do i have any thoughts on it uh, you know not a lot i don't uh here here's the thing i the way i work with politics mm-hmm. i'm very much a federalist in, in the sense that I, you know I, I don't i don't really get involved with other people's elections I, and i don't understand i honestly don't understand the hoopla over even if it's your own party, I, I, you know, I, I don't really care. I, you know, I, for the way I look at it is I'm, I'm grateful to live in a, a, a Republic and a democracy and, and, uh, for, you know, I'm not in Utah is what I'm saying. I, I don't live in Utah. So I, I, whatever the people of Utah choose, I, I'm glad they have the choice and, and they, they choose better or worse, you know, is, is up to them. You know, I, I don't, uh, um, I don't. I just don't get that invested in those things. I know a lot of people mm-hmm. do, but I, I kind of even like with governor. I don't understand why some people are like rooting for certain governors of uh-huh. of other states. Well, what does that have to do with anything? Oh, I, I don't I got, know. But I guess I, uh, I, I can honest, understand with the Senate. Yeah. Sure, I understand that makes a difference. And you've got a. Sure. I don't know where we're at as of today, but I, I think it was <laughs> neck and neck on on who takes control of the Senate. So I, mm-hmm. I kind of get that, but uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't. I I think it's great that we have members of the church that are in high public office. Uh, so I hope we can have more. And uh, but but outside of that, not not really anything else to comment on on Senator Lee.
1: Okay. Yeah, and I I think that pretty well uh, matches up with my view on politics. Is that um, I mean re- really living in the state of Utah. Um, you know, a lot of people say, well, if you you live in the state of Utah and you don't vote Republican, you're just throwing your vote away. But I, you know, also if you live in the state of Utah and you do vote Republican, I don't understand the difference, you know, because it seems like we're very heavily uh, leaning toward the the red over here. So, but uh, I completely agree with you on uh, being thankful to live in a uh, republic where we um, elect people to represent our best interests and then we have the ability to re-elect them or to vote them out come next election. So, yeah, good thoughts, I'll good thoughts. All right, um, you know, uh, so uh, w- this is going to lead us into our first article t- tonight. It's a kind of big one. This one's coming from fairlatterdaysaints.org. org. This is uh, the response from uh, Trevor Holyoke to uh, um, the. Uh, Let's see, the Sydney Morning Herald. That's the name of the newspaper that uh, broke the news last week. And so this is the response to um, allegations about the church not uh, paying their fair share um, on the tithing that's been donated in this country of Australia. Um, It looks like this was actually written by Paul W. Hess on November 4th, 2022. So, uh, yeah, essentially what they say is that um, the Sydney Morning Herald... Made a lot of allegations about the church not doing its fair share in uh, Australia, and um, they're but they're also saying, well, this is not uh, backed up by any kind of like uh, report or any kind of uh, let's see, what would you call it, a reference or a, a citing. Um, they, they just are, are making accusations that this is not really on the up and up, and. You know, on the one hand, I I get what they're saying. On the other hand, I'm also saying that I I think I said it last week when the Sydney uh, Morrow Herald broke the news that um, it it just kind of feels icky, even if it is completely legal. But it sounds like I mean, the the way that the church runs, the church is very much uh, in line with abiding by the laws. Um, and also using loopholes and the flexibility of the law to bend it in their favor, however they can, as often as they can, as we all do. I mean, th- this isn't anything against the church itself. This is this is something that every person, from you know the top to the bottom, uh, tries to exploit uh, the system, however they can, to their own benefit. So, I-, I thought it was really interesting that they said that there's no. Um, no citations or uh, no um, like actual quotes or anything. No no evidence to really back up the um, the allegations. What are your thoughts on that, Greg?
0: Yeah, I, I, that's what I noticed as well. I don't you know if if they had some document in their hand that that had that outlined exactly what was going on and there was a problem, they had evidence that there actually was wrong play here in this. Uh, then fine, you know, mm-hmm. then then that would need to be addressed. But I, I didn't see anything like that. And the church has got a big target on their back. Uh, mm-hmm. You had the leak. What was it? A couple years ago, a year or two ago, that uh, yeah. mm-hmm. the church has what? It was over a hundred billion dollars and one hundred fifty, maybe billion dollars, and or maybe yeah. it was more than that, I remember. But it, yeah, uh,
1: it was about one hundred fifty billion, as uh, okay. as I recall.
0: Yeah, one hundred fifty billion dollars, yeah. and and in the, in their fund, and, and you know, and I, truth is that's probably only a portion of what they have, and uh, I I'm all for it. Great. Mm-hmm. I hope that fund grows immensely. I th- hope it continues. It's a rainy day fund to me. You know, No pun intended on Noah's Ark there. But mm-hmm. it's, it's like uh, I want them to have that. Because there's no organization for me mm-hmm. where I'd rather see the, a, a steward over that sum of money. No investment firm, no, mm-hmm. no other church, no organization that, that I would rather see in charge of those funds. Because mm-hmm. I know that they pretty much align with what my values are. And, you know, let's be honest, they're pretty stingy about things. True, sure. and, and so you're, you're going to see, I, I, you know, here's the way I am sometimes with charities. You know, I'm very careful about when, when I give money to charities because, mm-hmm. you know, oftentimes you, you, you actually look through the paperwork and you can see there's 70, 80, sometimes 90% of the funds that you give mm-hmm. are, are going to overhead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that can be production, that can be man hours, that can be, you know, real estate, whatever.
1: Yeah. Nice I, I, of the charity I,
0: with the church, just because I've been in the church my whole life and I know how they run. And I, I, mm-hmm. I, I would say that number is probably the exact opposite. Yeah, with the money actually going to where it's supposed to go, and that's that's in their humanitarian efforts. That's in their mm-hmm. bishop storehouse efforts. That's in building temples. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that I know a number of the contractors worked on temples. I know what they have to go through to try and get the dollars down and 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 make things work. And it's I I I I think they've just got a big big target on their back. But I'm mm-hmm. I'm all for it. I, I mm-hmm. hope it goes to a trillion. Yeah. So uh,
1: the question I had is, do you think that the church um, visibly does enough, or could they do be
0: a little bit more? What should I say? Maybe promoting the efforts that they do give. So here's what I noticed. You know, you know, you know, when they started doing the the kind of between the co- general conference hours, they give kind of a world report and. Yeah, they go over and they start showing what they're doing, and and they can, those could be missionary efforts, but there's also an awful lot of humanitarian efforts that they have there. And then you can notice in this last conference, they talked about the money that they've given, and you know they never used to do that. I think they're they're they 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 do not think it's the right thing to talk about, right? We don't want to boast about doing these things. Yeah. And now when they do talk about it, now now you know you, they don't really. I feel like no matter what they do, they're they're going to get attacked. And mm-hmm. and so now I think they do speak of these things a little bit more. What I wish was on those areas that there was more transparency. Yeah. Um, I wish that in the reports, and maybe there's something I don't know about, but if, if they had at least, they don't need to divulge all their investments or their assets or anything like that. But if they if they actually had the spending somewhere easy to find, the spending and maybe add in man hours and volunteer hours and, and other things like that on, on their humanitarian efforts and on even on their, their Bishop storehouse, I, I, that would be pretty cool, right? That it's like, yeah. okay, I can look this up and I could see all of the time that members have put in. They, they can put a, 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 a an assumption on that and uh, a, a reasonable guess and, and then put in the dollars that have been spent on these things um, I I wish there was more transparency on that side of things, and, and so I think when you put transparency out there, I think you have fewer problems. Yeah, and and I think the church has learned this some in some ways in the hard way, right? Where they ended up eventually mm-hmm. putting out these essays that they had in 2012, and mm-hmm. you know it would be nice if they were ahead of the curve on those things. I think the transparency would yeah. be would be refreshing if they if they put that out, and and I, but I do think that they have at least move toward that a little bit more than than where they were. It seems
1: to be the the direction that they're leaning, and I'm glad to see that because I'm with you that transparency uh, is something that um, other charitable organizations uh, really has done a lot better job on than Mm -hmm. the LDS church, but I can understand why, Um, and I I hope that uh, the church will continue to be more uh, transparent as it goes forward. Um, let's see, scrolling down the article, there's a few claims that, uh, the, the fair article attacks, um, that were made by the Sydney Morning Herald. The first one, uh, uh the Sydney Morning Herald claimed that the global Mormon church has overstayed the amount it gives in charity by more than a billion dollars. Um, apparently to make itself appear more generous than it actually is. But, uh, the counter argument to this was that well, there's no reference to support it. So they don't really, I mean, they're making a claim, but they're not really backing it up with anything. They're not saying, well, where does the church make that claim that it uh, has done that? Or, you know, where has the church ever stated how much it gives? Um, and also not to mention, that, uh, the, uh, or not to fail to mention, that a lot of the donations that the church makes claim to are donations that are, uh, done in service hours and in, uh, in missionary work and uh, these other kinds of efforts it's not just dollar for dollars it's also you know hour for hour as it's valued. the second claim was uh, in addition the church runs a hundred billion dollar tax free investment fund uh, enzyme peak advisors uh, we've already talked a little bit about that because um, right. that's you know th- this is how the church is uh, being good stewards they are trying to grow that uh, rainy day fund the best that they can. Sure. So, uh, um, well again,
0: my, the, the issue here is, you know, like, like it said, the, the, it says here the claim is that they're using it to stockpile cash and investments. Okay. I, I, again, I, I don't feel like, uh, you know, what, what happens if there's a massive turn in the economy? Yeah. What happens if war breaks out? What happened? You know, the, the, you're talking about a global, uh, uh uh, uh you know look, how much, how much cash does Apple hoard? Oh, exactly. how, much, how much cash does Microsoft hoard? for what? Well, well there's reasons to do that. I mean there, there's both financial reasons, depending on interest rates and and inflation and a number of other things, investment opportunity and then and then there's simply, we may need it. We, mm-hmm. do, we may need this, and, and so i I have zero problem with them hoarding cash and investments. Yeah, I don't think that's a problem. I, I think it's, again, I just, I lean to them, just think, and it's not like they're going to be perfect with it, but I, 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 I trust that they're going to do their best they can with that, with that money.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, so then we go on to claim three and claim three is the one that I really take some issue with because, uh, the claim is that Mormons are required to pay 10% of their gross income in tithing, a significant financial impost on followers. Um, and so, uh, Nielsen said this was hard on poorer Mormons, particularly in developing world, describing it as an extremely regressive tax. And the, uh, fair article says this claim is undeniably false. Um, I, I guess, you know, I think it's certainly a free will offering, but if you're going to be a member in good standing, if you're going to be a card carrying member, uh, Part of the temple recommend interview is paying a full tithing. So um, yeah,
0: that's true. It's yeah. voluntary as as long as you don't care about the, going to the temple. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, Greg. <laughs> so so once so you yeah. once you decide you want to go to the temple, it's no longer just a voluntary thing anymore. But I I, I don't. Two, there's two sides to this. One is they're trying to tie this together with the fact that this is the implication, right? Look, they've got, the church has so much money and yet here they are asking 10% from their poorest members. That's, that's the implication. And, and it's true. It, mm-hmm. it is true. Uh, but the implication is malicious that it's, that that's malicious. Yeah. I, I, and that's where I think you do have to go back to the root of this. It is voluntary no one has to do this mm-hmm. now if they want to go to the temple then then yes you have to do it why because the temple is for those that are sacrificing in many different ways mm-hmm. uh, and are willing to live a certain life and, and, and abide by certain covenants and you know obeying certain commandments and and that's one of them it's not the only one that's that's a hard one for some people perhaps there's others that are very hard for others to follow yeah and 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 to be able to go to the temple i mean you can look at lgbtq uh uh individuals and you know they may have a tougher time abiding by certain things or uh, you know it's it's the temple is for those that want to follow the covenants regardless of your circumstances it's regardless of your circumstances. Yeah. And I think, I think and uh so i i i to to say that this is a regressive tax uh, i i'd say the opposite. I I think it's um i i think it's fair because it's a percentage it's fair for everyone. And um yes it might be a little hard on the poorest of people. Um but it's also it's also an opportunity to to grow it, it, I, that's how i feel about it I, and, and that's a hard thing for some people to understand but but i think it's true
1: okay yeah um so going on to the the fourth claim here was that um they said that the church has been re, uh, rerouting a lot of tithing funds through shell companies in order to uh qualify for the tax-free status um, that it has. And while it's members, um, I mean, uh, unlike, uh, some other countries of the world, Australia, um, tithing money and uh, charitable donations like of that nature are not tax deductible. So, uh, they're still taxed. So I guess the, the claim is that the church is, uh, having its members taxed at a higher rate than the church itself is being taxed. And, um, they uh it seems like a lot of the argument that this uh, fair article has is saying that well we don't uh we don't have any evidence of this and once again they're you know just making claims without showing us any facts to back it up so
0: yeah this one i don't know as much about i mean if they're talking about shell companies as in like uh you know things that would be like deseret news deseret book uh, Bonneville Communications, um, uh, Enzyme. You know, I I, I don't know, but uh, uh, or if there's other offshore accounts, I have no idea. Yeah, and I'd be very surprised if there is anything with as much money as run through their as runs through their hands there in in the church. I just I'd be very surprised if there is uh, anything. certainly purposefully. Used to evade taxes It's yeah. not evil mm-hmm. and and you know that's, I, uh, I i just i just don't know enough about what they mean by the shell companies
1: yeah and that kind of brings us to the conclusion of this uh, article is that uh, really we don't know we don't have the facts and uh so there's a lot of claims that are being uh, out there as you say the church has a big target on its back so um i think that the Sydney Morning Herald. They, I think that they have a good eye for news, um, and I, I guess we'll see what how this all plays out. Because uh, you know, maybe there's things that um, that they have or knowledge of or evidence of that that was not disclosed in the original article, and that's a possibility. So I guess we'll just uh, wait and see how it all plays out in the end. All uh, right. Any, any other thoughts on uh, that article?
0: You know, just the last thing there, I do see that the uh, whoever wrote the article for FAIR here is, it did exactly, they, they put in a couple of numbers that is exactly what I was saying about trusting them mm-hmm. over other charities. And yeah. they say Australia-specific LDS tr- Charitable Trust Fund brought in $100,211,000. 100, it distributed $131,604,000. And it spent seven thousand eight hundred and ten dollars on overhead. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, and the reason is is because they rely so much on volunteer work from the members.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I, like a lot of the, um, a lot of the donations that they factor in to that money is uh, like the missionary efforts, a couple missionaries and uh, full time proselying missionaries, not to mention service missionaries as well. Uh, goes into those numbers, too. Sure. Yeah. All right. So uh, the next article uh, we have uh, came off of Facebook, Latter-day Saints United, the face, uh, Facebook page. And so uh, then it links to an article from it, that's a blog article, uh, My Life, by GoGoGoff.com. The title is The Four Reasons People Leave the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and How to Help Them Back. So uh, you've probably seen this floating around social media, uh, this article. They uh, list the four reasons why uh, people stop going to church and uh, four solutions to uh, help bring them back. So mm-hmm. the first uh, the first um, reason that they give is that they slip into inactivity you know they just stop going they they you know like sleeping in on Sunday morning they you know get relaxed in their uh, scripture studying um, so it's just pretty easy to uh, to uh, just you know get out of the the habit or to get out of this the what uh, the schedule the, the yeah uh, <laughs> and then their uh, advice for how to help those uh, who have slipped to come back, they said that uh, this is the easiest group to get to come back because all you have to do is just welcome them back. Just invite them to come back to church, and they'll come, and they'll feel happy and welcome again. So uh, that's the first one. Second is they take offense. So the second main reason people go less active is that they take offense um, to something that somebody might have said uh, or you know something they heard. And he said, this one's a little tougher to help them come back, but the way that you help them come back, and he says this is very specific, that you have to uh, get the person who did the offending or said the offensive thing to uh, apologize and recant. Because uh, even if it was not intentionally given, you can't apologize on behalf of somebody else. It's just not going to, to work. And I think that he's right there, that if you're going to, uh, apologize you can't apologize for somebody that um is not repentant <laughs> you know um let's see and then the third uh, issue or the third reason is they take issue with church history, so uh you know they've read into some things or found come across some things that they don't like um and then they uh the, how you help those who take issue with church history come back. Um, this is where it starts to get even trickier because the way that you help these kinds of people out, um, it's a lot easier to uh, rescue them by uh, seeing where their sources are coming from and helping them to understand that uh, you can't judge the past by the present's morals um, and that you can help them to... Uh, Just proceed with faith, that faith will cover whatever problems that they may have with the history of the church. And uh, let's see, he also gives uh, something that, um, let's see, there was a uh, a, a person that he knew who, he uh, calls him Jason, and uh, he had a discussion with him. Jason's somebody who left the church over issues with uh, historical fact, or, you know, the historical uh, findings. And then made his way back, and he says that you know, regardless of what the history is, if the church is true, then that's the only thing that really matters. So, you know, it's it's not important to have the the history uh, line up or match up. As if the church is true, then the history really doesn't matter, and really nothing else does either. If mm-hmm. if the church is true, mm-hmm. uh, la- the last one is I take issue with doctrine. So this is something where they don't like the teachings of the church. They don't like the beliefs of the church, and um, this is this one. He says there's a couple of uh, uh, courses that they'll they'll take when they uh, decide that they don't agree with the doctrines of the church. The first course is they'll go non-religious. They'll just leave church altogether, not just the LDS church, but all churches. They uh, they leave Christianity. They leave, and a lot of times they'll leave. Um, uh, theism altogether. So you know, not only do they throw out the bathwater, they throw the baby right along with it. Um, the baby Jesus, that is. The second course is that they become antagonists or anti-Mormons, right? So then they'll start attacking the church and uh, trying to speak out uh, to those around them to help them to see that the church uh, doesn't align with their beliefs, and so therefore the church must be wrong. He said these ones are the toughest to get to come back because a lot of times uh, what it involves is having to convince the person that um, the church is right, um, even if we don't agree with it. And the things that we disagree about the church, uh, we need to give it time and allow it to to grow and to progress. And a lot of times we'll see things Come out in the wash. So, uh, this article, <laughs> th- this article was a little interesting to to read over. What are your thoughts about this one, Greg?
0: Uh, first of all, I'd want to know what the author means by "leave the church." Yeah, uh, you know the four reasons people leave the church. So, well, when you yeah, say when you leave the church, that to me is usually a conscious decision, and you're not coming back. You're you're deciding you're not coming back
1: yeah there there's a big difference between um just stopping attending on Sunday and you know having your records removed right right yeah
0: and i and I do think these are four good reasons or there they are four reasons mm-hmm. why people would go into an inactivity and or leave the church. I don't mm-hmm. think that they're the top reason but uh um they they are I just did an episode on this on the podcast about a week ago. Mm-hmm. Uh not on this article, but
1: uh about the topic, on yeah. why
0: people are leaving the church. For me it it has more to do mm-hmm. with identitarianism okay. and critical theory. And, and so it's it's the LGBTQ issues and it's and it's it's critical theory. It's it's mm-hmm. it's uh you know, we're we're moving into a in our culture is moving much more into a position of oppressor versus victim. Yeah. And and so when when people are are especially younger people that have been in universities, uh, they're, they're, they're almost always going to be brought into critical theory to some degree or another. And and it's hard to not view the world that way when you are subject to that a lot. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and if you adopt it, then everything is going to have an oppressor and a victim. And, and, you, and eventually you're going to turn to the church. You're going to see a bunch of old white men running the church and and all of a sudden they are the oppressors and and it runs all through the uh, I don't know if everyone knows what intersectionality is but it runs through the mm-hmm. intersectional ladder where you're going to have you know your race uh, sexual orientation gender etc are going to be divided and and so the numbers that I've seen, going all the way back to the Pew survey, uh, the religious Pew survey of 2014, and then coming up to now, are all, the whole trend is moving toward that identitarian and critical theory area of, of, of why people are actually leaving the church. Okay. And it, to me, it's the philosophies of men. I talked about mm-hmm. at the beginning, one of the reasons I, I do, uh, w- one of the things I do with public speaking. And uh, and so I think that that's, that's what's really Gaining steam, and, and it's really the larger problem. I wanted to do, talk about the last two, the most here. The the yeah. take issue with church history. Um, I, and I I'll give an example of this also on the identitarian side of things. It used to be, when I say used to be, I mean yesterday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, oh. it it used to be that church history was the primary issue. Mm-hmm. Um for people that were really leaving the church. Like I'm done with the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and and to some degree it still is, but especially if you're older. Mm-hmm. But if you're younger, it the identitarian issue has overtaken that. Yeah. And 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 so as an example, let's say if you uh were reading the the church essays and and you feel like there's a problem about Joseph Smith, you know translating the, mm-hmm. the plates through a hat and a seer stone mm-hmm. or, or, you know, the blacks in the priesthood or yeah. polygamy, you know, or, mm-hmm. or any of these issues. And you just take those as themselves. And, and, and if people have a problem with those things, then you say, okay, well, they had an issue with church history, but now, now the filter of identitarianism is put over that. Mm-hmm. So, so for example, now, now uh joseph smith is a sexist and a misogynist Mm -hmm. right and and brigham young was a racist Mm -hmm. right and and the church leaders and prophets are oppressors and they're all white right so so it's Mm -hmm. that's what becomes the bigger issue now and then it leads to all of the other church history issues that that people that critics of the church try to bring up and and uh But that that just kind of gives you an idea of how things are shifting. Even even church history is viewed through an identitarian lens now. Yeah. And then lastly, church doctrine. That to me is the toughest one Um, because it's hard to say how how do you, you need to be, very few people really know their own doctrine in the church. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, And so it's hard when people bring up issues and maybe you don't even know about certain doctrines and. And so that's that. I think is a tough one. But overall, here's here's a, a study I saw. That, I, that that takes all taking all of these things into, into account. It's not why people leave the church, but it's why they come back.
1: Okay.
0: And and that study showed that the the issue is a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. So a number the, the reason people come back. The number one reason they come back is because they missed their relationship with God. And okay. you, those people may still have a, an issue with church history. Mm-hmm. They, they might still have an issue with identitarianism. They, they might still have an issue with doctrine. It's not like they're gone, or they may have been offended by someone. It's not like that didn't go away. But they still... Missed the relationship with God, and that's usually initiated with prayer or a heart, something hard in their life, yeah, that that turned them back to prayer, and and they felt they needed that relationship with God. So, where there are reasons to go away, I think the number one solution to all of these things, while there are other solutions that can be offered here, I think the number one issue here or or solution is can you help someone build a stronger relationship with God?
1: Well said. Uh, You know, Greg, I got to say that I think you would have written this article much better uh, just from uh, hearing your perspective there. So, um, yeah, that uh, pretty well sums it up. But this uh, article also takes us down to our uh, Mormon News Roundup Poll of the Week. This is available only on Anchor. So go over to our Anchor uh, page and uh, take a look at this poll so, uh, Greg, do you want to do our poll this week with me? Um, I'll read off the question, and then if you uh, would, would you mind reading the answers?
0: Uh, hold on, let me get to the right spot here. Yeah, go ahead.
1: Okay, it's down toward the bottom there. Okay, why do people leave the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints? Is it one?
0: They just want to drink coffee. Hashtag Lucifer's Bean. <laughs> Number two, they found out about the tunnels under the conference center hashtag what are they hiding
1: (laughs) i don't know that anybody's leaving the church over that okay number three they miss three hour church (laughs) some people maybe do (laughs) maybe they've just got too much time on their hands on sunday now uh or number four
0: they tried to read the book of mormon but kept getting bored on the isaiah parts that's possible um number five They really wanted that second ear piercing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yep, just wanted it so bad.
0: Uh, Number six. They followed David Archuleta on Twitter. Or could it be number seven? And number seven, they didn't subscribe to Quick Media. I'm pretty sure that's the answer. Yep, I'm
1: gonna go with number seven too. So yeah, go over to Anchor and uh, give us your opinion and take our poll. Um, On to our next one. We've got a report that says 60% of LDS missionaries are coming home early and 80% of Mormon young adults are leaving the church. Um, Is that uh, exaggeration or uh, what do you think, uh, Greg?
0: I couldn't hear you there. I think you left me. Oh, I'm sorry.
1: Are are those numbers exaggerated,
0: the 60% uh, coming home early and 80% leaving the church? Well... um normally when I would first look at this and I see the source for this mm-hmm. the um, I would say they're probably very exaggerated but mm-hmm. unfortunately at least on the young people uh, mis- leaving the church or uh, it, it, it's not exaggerated I know that mm-hmm. uh, the the numbers wow. that I've seen are are pretty concerning um, this would be for inactive members so whether they've left the church you could say you know like fully or they're just not going Mm -hmm. whatever it might be you know if you're from ages 18 to 30 that number is right around 82 to 83 percent are not at church wow and and that is corroborated by a number of different things that i've seen and people i've talked to
1: that's uh that's really sh- uh shocking for me to hear because i honestly i thought that the numbers were exaggerated when i uh, first read this i mm-hmm. i know that uh, we've heard of a lot more uh young missionaries returning home early from their missions um and i can understand why on that because uh missions are are brutal um it's very difficult for uh, especially a rising generation that's uh, been very much coddled and praised and uh, you know cushioned throughout life uh, to be thrown out onto the streets uh, literally to go door to door and have people uh, scream in their faces or turn them away or reject them. I mean this, they've never had any kind of rejection before in their lives. and so obviously that's gonna uh, take a toll on their on them mentally. So, yeah, you do see a lot of uh, young missionaries coming home early. Um, my own nephew, uh, he made it out to the mission field for a week and then turned around and came home. Uh, he, did, But I, I think yeah. uh, we're also seeing something else uh, come about as a result of this. And I see it as a positive thing. We're starting to see a rise in service missions. And that's what happened with my nephew is he came home early, early from his proselyting mission, but converted it over to a service mission. So he still gets to stay in his familiar surroundings and serve his local community where he's at for the next two years. So I, I I see that as a positive way for the church to help, uh, to help out these young missionaries. Um,
0: Sure. Right. And and then there's other questions as to, you know, because it's odd, right? Because you, you, the missions in, in the past have, I, I let's just say that they become easier and easier and easier, mm-hmm. right? That there's, there's oh, times yeah. in the church history where where a mission was three years long. Other times it was two and a half years.
1: Yeah. And, and, uh, and you, you had to like support a, year and a year and half for them. a while
0: after two years and went back to two years. Yeah. Um, and, you know, now you can call home every week and there's a number of things and, you know, fine, you know, but it, it's just odd that then these things seem to be, Ways of helping missionaries, but but do they? You know, I I don't know the answer to that. And 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 are missionaries for some reason not as prepared? Does social media somehow not? You know, is that become too addicting? Is it is it too hard to leave behind? I I don't know what the reasons are for if this is true. That that's a number yeah. I don't I don't know anything about missionary numbers. So. Okay. If that's true, I, I think that's very concerning because it's it's not just the missionary program. You're talking about the youth of the church yeah. that are not having the opportunity to go through those leadership experiences and spiritual experiences for a longer period of time and 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 build more of a foundation for their lives. And and just and you know, even when you're not when you're just talking about something practical even outside of the spirituality of it, the, the, the ability to help strengthen your life and, and to have success. I think you learn those types of principles mm-hmm. while you're on your mission.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, without the sacrifice, I mean, uh, with no sacrifice, there's no growth. Correct. That's, that's something that, uh, how else are you going to teach that to, uh, the younger and rising generations? Um, you know, there is going to have to be some discomfort. There's going to have to be some uh, suffering involved in order to in order to get that kind of growth. So um, I was can I just quote something real quick? Please
0: do. Greg. This is why I always always look to the source of what you're looking at here. And, and, uh-huh. and yes, the 80 percent is more or less probably true. I don't know about the 60 percent, but here's here's just a quick uh, paragraph mm-hmm. on this. These 60 and 80% of young adults are screaming in a language that male power finally understands, numbers. Maybe I am being too optimistic, but these numbers seem to illustrate the decay of the world men have shaped and created. The patriarchal world, the industrious, hierarchical, exclusive, destructive world that men have built has never worked for the majority. So it's just to understand what your sourcing is.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's that's some pretty strong uh, claims to be making um for sure and uh I, I don't know that i can uh agree with uh, uh, keep in mind this is an article that was written by somebody who goes by lavender okay. so <laughs> yeah I, you know that uh, that says a lot to me too yeah, yeah all right um so the next article um state conference spirit glory and grace or fried froth drivel disguised as dessert um this one is from by common consent, and uh, it's a. This article is interesting. Um, John C. posted this one said that he's uh, been encouraged to. He's taking an interesting approach here, where he's uh, kind of disengaging with the church for the time being, but uh, you know when they when when they the church asks him to reengage and to you know come and take a a new calling or to come back to the church. Um, he says, not yet. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he says yeah, the church isn't quite where he would like to see it be uh, yet. But, you know, this is obviously a church that's growing and learning. And uh, if the church comes in, this uh, John C. Sounds more like the kind that we were talking about, that um, he's just going to wait and see if the church starts to align with his ideals and his beliefs and uh then uh then he'll start coming back so right yeah he, he's just not feeling fed with any substance when he goes to state conference and uh he let's see yeah he that uh title <laughs> where he uh, says that uh, uh froth and drivel, uh yeah that's what he describes being fed at state conferences that you're not really getting anything of substance. Um, and so I guess, you know, that's fair if that's his opinion of of it. I'm not sure what he's expecting to get there. Um, but he does mention that there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of big, uh, issues that are not being addressed. And, um, that's fair to say too. But once again, uh, does the church really want to air its own dirty laundry to its members? Um, Sometimes, it, sometimes it makes sense to address it. Sometimes it doesn't. You know, it's uh, one of the things we've already talked about that on this episode, even where sometimes,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. It's going, and they, the the reasons of this guy's listing are again those identitarian issues mostly, mm-hmm. right? I mean, he's he's saying not yet, right? But it's it's mm-hmm. it's uh, it, it's blacks in the priesthood, mm-hmm. uh, it's the policies of the LGBTQ, the kids of the LGBTQ couples, same sex couples. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's there. Uh, the other one that is mentioned here is it, it's that the church hasn't repented of its systematic dismantling of women's autonomy mm-hmm. um, in reduction to the satellites of some men. I, I just see that's <laughs> critical theory that that's a pressure or a victim. Mm-hmm. That's, it, it's so hard not to yeah. view these things when you are pulled into that critical theory world. Mm-hmm. It's, it's everything, you know, you're a hammer and everything is a nail. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but the question is, is, you know, I, I think one of the questions that's posed then is, is does the church do more harm than good? And I, I, I think it, I, I think it does all good. I, I think it's, uh, well, I shouldn't say all good. I mean, there's obviously mistakes and problems here and there.
1: Yeah. There, there's certainly people. Harmed, uh, but, um, yeah,
0: I, I, I think that, it's just a matter of assimilation. And, and do you want to assimilate to what the the gospel preaches or not? Mm-hmm. It, it's, and everyone has their choice. The agency is a wonderful thing. You know, everyone has a choice and, and, and sometimes that's hard for people to let go of. And, but everyone has their choice to say, yeah, I am going to follow the prophet or, or I am going to, mm-hmm. uh, um, go along with the gospel principles and, and, uh, or, or I'm not. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what, to some degree, that's okay. That the, the, the plan of salvation is built off of agency. Mm-hmm. People have to be able to make their own choices. Sure. And yeah. so I, I, I feel, you know, some people get mad at others if they leave the church or they're mm-hmm. uh, you know, I understand if, you know, you have a family member and that, that, that separation is painful and things like that, but it's, you've got to allow agency to take over here. And, and if you want it, you want it. If you don't, you don't. And, and and again, going right back to that idea of the relationship with God, I think, I think that's the key. If this guy here, John C. Is worried about all of these things. I I don't think he's as worried about his relationship with God. That's how that's just the way it seems to be. I'm not going to put words in his mouth, but
1: no, that's uh, a fair thing. That's a fair assessment uh, of the article as far as uh, I read. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he, he seems more concerned with uh the church's um public image, uh with the uh the church's lining up with uh, the rise of woke culture. And um so yeah, I can see that there's a lot of there's a lot of dissonance there. So, you know, he's he's making his choice just like all of us make our choice.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. And I want him to be able to make his choice, right? Yeah, I, I, for sure. I want him to make his choice. You make your choice and, and I'll make mm-hmm. mine and I will try and influence, but, mm-hmm. and he's obviously trying to influence here by posting this publicly. Sure. That's fine.
1: Yeah. That's uh that's what all of us are here to do to try and figure this out. Right. Um, so, uh, going, or are, are, do you have anything else on this one? Or are we ready for the next one? Cause the next one, <laughs> the next article is kind of, uh, kind of makes me chuckle <laughs> okay so uh the next article goes to latterdaystmag.com and uh, we've seen these guys ask the hardest family question several times and we've had some real uh lightweight toast questions in the past this one i think they've tipped to the opposite end of the spectrum the question this week is how do I help my wife become more physically affectionate? And this is by Jeff Sturer from November 3rd. And so he goes and says that his wife and him have been married for quite a while. They have, uh, let's see, they have. A daughter, she has a daughter from a previous marriage, um, and he has a good relationship with her. Um, they're also expecting a child of their own in the coming months, so there's obviously some sort of physical affection going on. Um the problem is that uh his wife doesn't really like to be touched. She's not uh she's not real touchy feely and I guess he is. So they're trying to figure out how to make this happen. <laughs> how how can we get more physical affection into this marriage? And um actually I got to say that I think that uh the the answer was pretty decent. They suggested that they Uh, get into counseling, see if they can figure out what it's stemming from. Because his wife, not only does she have a uh, very uh, staunch LDS background, she also comes from Southeast Asia. And her parents were very, they drilled into her very much, very strongly, that you don't have any relationship with boys. Well, it's uh, very difficult to go from a culture of don't ever let anybody touch you to saying I do and then on your wedding night, just being able to turn it on, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that's kind of the problem that she's struggling with, and they uh, suggested they get into counseling and help her figure that out. So, uh, for for once, I thought this was a pretty decent uh, question. It was a tough question, um, but one that not too many people would share on a public uh,
0: magazine like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad they did. I mean, I, I, mm-hmm. I mean it. I would say most marriages struggle to some degree with this. Yeah. Uh, there's, you know, and by the way, I am certainly not an expert on this. So <laughs> I, I I, want to make it very clear, big time disclaimer on all of this. Uh, my wife would be rolling over here, just like laughing at me speaking on this. But um, I, I, I think... You know, you know, it's, it's it's I think most men are going to have a little bit of this issue with with their mm-hmm. wives. It's some a little, some a lot, and, and then sure. every once in a while, there's a handful on the other side where it works the other way around. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's part of that must be a part of marriage. That must be a part of something that we're supposed to learn and and uh, and, and try and figure out and accommodate. I mean, so much of marriage is sacrifice and 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 trying to accommodate your partner and. And, um, and so much of that is driven by hormones, you know, on both mm-hmm. sides. Yeah. It, it's just driven by, by hormones. And, and I think that's the first thing to understand that's, I've been married a long time and that's one of the things I think I had to really try and step back and, and realize both on my end, okay, I'm driven by hormones and then on her end with, with, things that she needs, right, are, are also oftentimes they're driven by hormones. Yeah. And, and when you, for me, when I think of it that way, it's easier for me to work through solutions Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and, and, and just say, okay, well, this is, you know, her body is, is helping to, is, is, is telling her something and my body's telling me something. And, and so that's something that has helped me just to think in those terms. A yeah, that bit.
1: that makes sense. That's a good yeah. way of looking at it.
0: Um, yeah. And and then uh, I, I but but as far as somebody putting this online, I think it's I think it needs to be discussed more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I it, it's funny in the church. I, I think it's and this is not necessarily the way it is outside of church, but inside a church women talk about sex a lot more than men do right it, it's mm-hmm. it, that's my observation and in, in, in talking with a number of individuals yeah. <laughs> women are going to talk about sex a lot more than men just don't they don't talk about it mm-hmm. typically um yeah. and and so there's there is a here's an outlet for this guy to, to at least put something out there because he probably doesn't want to talk to even his friends about it yeah and 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 he doesn't want to throw his wife under the bus so to speak either you know and and uh so it's it's an outlet for him to to be able to talk about something that really is a problem for him i mean Mm -hmm. most men feel love and respect um through sex Mm -hmm. right and 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 most women need to feel loved and respected and secure mm-hmm. and taken care of and, and and loved before they can have a good experience with sex. True. Right? So yeah. why, we, we men, men feel more those things through sex and and women for more most women it's it, it, a good good experience, a sexual experience would be something that's more of a result of already feeling those things. Yeah. For sure. that's my expert take on this of course
1: well I, I think that's uh, that's a really fine take uh, when it comes to the discussion that the article had and the answer that was given um, yeah this is something that is um, I mean it, it, it's obviously in no way the wife's fault that uh, she's dealing with as much as she's dealing with right, right? From, from such a, a uh, an upbringing that's very different from this uh, from this writer Um so yeah th- this is i think those are really good ways really good advice too greg on uh, how to have a, a good healthy sexual relationship is to understand each other understand your hormones understand that those hormones are telling your body something yeah. and you know sometimes it's very difficult to overcome that uh that mindset that's been drilled into you over and over and over again since childhood and, uh, you know, still gets drilled in uh, uh, from priesthood meetings, I'm sure. And that's probably why the, the priesthood uh, holders don't really discuss sex that much at church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. but uh, Yeah. and
0: yeah. I, yeah. When I say in church, I don't mean at the church buildings. I just mean inside yeah. of, you know, church members. As yeah. yeah to amongst themselves. The so. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, the other thing I will say is I think it is really the counseling part, I think, is very important for that yeah. situation.
1: Oh, absolutely. This is something that uh, they're both going to need some help to overcome this and to work through it but i i think they'll be able to it sounds like they have a really good marriage other than that it's just you know once again something that they're not quite lined up on but will need some adjustment i think they can do fine um the next right. uh, article takes us over to wheatandtears.org And we've got, uh, the question is posed, does the church make people better or worse? This is from Angela C., uh, dated November 9th, 2022. And she brings out some of these things about, uh, what should we say, uh, right-wing politics, or rather right-wing extremist politics, where you've got things like the Proud Boys that are, uh, you know, uh, marching around, and, uh, you know, or you've got the KKK, uh, spewing hate speech and and things like this, and so the questions asked. Well, is this be, a lot of times these people consider themselves Christian as well, and consider the beliefs that they have to be in line with um, their Christian ideals and with their uh, political leanings. And uh, so the, she asked that question: Are these people becoming more and more cruel because of their political and religious beliefs, or Are they just cruel people that have found a place where they can uh, unleash that cruelty? Um, And, uh, you know, we talked about this in our uh, coordination call quite a bit, uh, you and me, Greg. And I think that we had some really good points about this that, I mean, uh, people kind of are people themselves and a lot of times uh you'll get people that don't necessarily affiliate with any particular denomination of Christianity but and they they have a bible on their shelf so therefore they call themselves a christian but they uh they don't read it and you know you can some of these people you can tell they don't read it because it, they probably can't read um but then they go out and they uh spew a bunch of hate speech in the name of uh of religion or in the name of uh, politics and that's just not really the the truth so you're getting people that claim to follow the teachings of jesus christ because they you know believe the adages that aren't found anywhere in the bible things like the lord helps those who helps them themselves and they go and march out there and are cruel towards other people when jesus said hey you know you you're supposed to go out there to lift up the hands that hang down you're supposed to strengthen the weak you're supposed to feed the hungry clothe the naked and uh you yeah. know take care of these people so i think a lot of times the cruelty comes maybe even out of ignorance uh what what are your thoughts there greg
0: yeah i i think uh a couple of things i think i i think it's especially a, if if you're a christian and you're not reading the bible um and 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 maybe you're taking a little bit more of an old testament view of the world i think it's i think that's going to be difficult for you rec- to reconcile your new testament teachings and mm-hmm. uh i i do think that you can you can get whether you're you're in a non denominational church or or unaffiliated necessarily with any church or uh but identify as christian or 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 you're if you're in a church, you 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 can get swallowed up into a type of culture that is um, us versus them. Yeah, and 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 that's going to breed judgmentalism. And mm-hmm. it, it's I don't know that you know I, I do know that that's not the best approach to, to something. I don't think that's the way Christ did it. You know, he didn't compromise mm-hmm. on things, but. I, I do think that that happens, and that can happen within our church. I've seen that happen with people, mm-hmm. yeah, for it's sure. Us versus them, I, in, instead of, hey, this is the truth, and we believe this is the truth. I ho- I invite you to look at it, mm-hmm. um, and or I'm warning you against this and this and this because these might be bad for you and your family is a lot different than going out and saying you're going to hell or, or uh, you know it, it's it's. Um, there's different ways to approach that, so there is some seed of truth I think in these things, mm-hmm. uh, but I do think also that the writer here, the author of the of the, the blog post here, is also using is othering, so to speak, of 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 people that that she is not around maybe a lot mm-hmm. uh, because she seems to be putting everybody into a, a single. Yeah, you know, what does she say here? The question requires agreeing that Republicans are a cruel party. Uh, so she's she's othering and saying that Republicans, yeah. as a result of their Christianity, are cruel. Uh, that's that's very uh, not true. Even though there are some people that might be that way, I think you could say the same thing for the other side.
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh,
0: things, and then they they she also goes down and references Clark Gilbert from BYU who's now in charge of all CES, including all the BYU campuses, and that, that he seems to agree with, you know, wokeism as the the worst threat to society um, as compared to worrying about marginalized people. And and I think there's a real balance there. And, and again, it's all in the approach, but uh, I, I happen to believe that Clark Gilbert is the best thing that's happened to BYU and CES in, in a very long time. And, uh, um, so I would disagree with that assessment by Angela here. Uh, yeah. but, uh, um, I, I, again, I think we already brought this up a little bit, but, you know, does the church make you better or does it make you worse? I, I, I think it, I think it, it makes, it causes introspection and, mm-hmm. and, and helps you make decisions whether sure. good or bad. And, um, and maybe it depends
1: on uh, what you're paying attention to or what you're listening to. Because if all you're hearing is that, you know, okay, the, this is what you need to do in order to be a good person, uh, you know, and they, they start listing off certain virtues. Um, well, you have to, you know, be a, a clean cut yes. person. Uh, you have to, you know, make sure that you have your hair cut, make sure you're clean shaven. Well, then, you, you know, if, if you're latching onto that, then you start looking outside at anybody who's not got a... Uh, or, you know, somebody that has shaggy hair or a beard, and then you start looking down your nose at them and saying, oh, well, they're not a good person because what I've been taught, well, they miss the complete uh, the complete point. Well, may, you know, this is a sign of hy- hygienics. <laughs> hygienics is to, you know, take care of yourself. Yeah. But, yeah.
0: Yeah, and it's it's... You know, again, she goes to identitarianism, right? She, she's balancing out on one end racism, sexism, homophobia, and transphobia. Yeah. As the, 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 the things that you mostly need, those are the biggest problems in, in society uh, as compared to what? Well, I mean, what about the degradation of the traditional family? Does that play in there anywhere? Is that a problem? But what about freedom of religion? You know, what, what about, you know, there's a lot of other issues around the globe. Uh, not that those aren't important and that everybody shouldn't be loved and everyone's an individual and those things are important. But um, I think you're right in, in what she, she seems to be saying that, you know, if you don't hold racism, sexism, homophobia, and transphobia up as the biggest threats in the world, then, then you're not a very, then you're a cruel person.
1: Uh, yeah, and what I think she would benefit strongly from, and I think the whole world in general would benefit strongly one, uh, from, is to have the conversation. You know, go and talk to the people that you don't agree with, and sure. see, find out why they believe the way that they do, and why why they think the way they do. That's one of the things that, um, even with this own with this podcast, we try in our own little way to just branch out and try to see things from a different perspective. Uh, and to see things for, through a different lens than we're used to, because that's how we make sure th- that's also how we check ourselves and make sure that we're doing uh, that we're in line with our own values and with our own uh, beliefs is to make sure that we're constantly challenging those beliefs and challenging uh, why we believe what we believe. So, yeah, um, I, I think that uh, does the church make people better or worse? I guess it's it's up to the individual, but um, yeah, there's there's certainly plenty of ignorance to go around. I I've seen that, <laughs> and that that's from both sides as well, for sure.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, any other thoughts on that, Greg? Before we go to uh, Pacific,
0: uh, no, I don't, I don't think so.
1: All right, so this our final uh, article this week. We have the Pacific volleyball team has decided not to, um. Uh, play against BYU's uh, women's volleyball team. Uh, they've decided they're going to forfeit. So um, uh, we've got Deseret News. Tad Walsh he's uh, one of their uh, big. Uh, 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 he uh, writes a sp- uh, sports piece I hear from November seventh, and um, so once again we've we've gotten an issue. Where people are making judgments against uh, the church's university based off of no evidence, because what what we had is back in uh, August when the allegations were made from uh, Duke University, that uh, that young black player um, mm-hmm. claimed that uh, there were racist epithets thrown at her from fans in the crowd, and there really wasn't any evidence. Uh, You had black people at uh, the BYU uh, on the BYU side who were attending and there was no shock on on their face, which, you know, uh, black people, if if a white person says a certain racial epithet, black people are going to respond regardless of whose team they're rooting for. So, you know, this is something that it seems like there was really an unfounded uh, argument. Maybe she misheard something. But uh, now we've got people making, uh, like, decisions and boycotts and all kinds of stuff without any evidence. So this is – it's getting a little bit weird, but once again, we're just kind of Tad Walsh saying, all right, where's the evidence? (laughs) (laughs) It just rings – it it reverberates a lot more – a lot back to that Fair uh, Latter-day Saint article where we've got accusations – but no evidence being brought forth, so uh, I think that it's really sad because, uh, um, one of the things that's pointed out in this article is that BYU and Pacific had a really good uh relationship, they joined the WCC uh right around the same time, and uh, they've had a, a, a nice uh exchange where they've you know played each other in the past. So, this it is sad to see yeah. things like this happen, but. Once again, I think uh, that's kind of the, the theme of this week's <laughs> news seems to be is we've got woke, woke culture or um, I, I really need to look more into this intersectionalism that you talk about because it sounds really fascinating because uh, right. it seems like that's what we're running into a lot this week.
0: Yeah, it, it is. And and this is and I think we're still just seeing the, the barely the surface of this and it, mm-hmm. it, it comes from the university. So it's not a surprise that it, this is happening at at you know, university sports levels and, but it, it's, it's really one thing I think as far as how this should be dealt with is I really like Tom Holmo, the, the, the BYU AD, the athletic director, um, yeah. I think a fabulous job. Um, he's got mm-hmm. a tough job and I think he, he really does a good job, but yeah, I, I think that we made a big mistake on mm-hmm. how we handled that whole situation with the Duke volleyball team. Mm -hmm. And there was zero evidence um, of anything even to begin with, even before they began the investigation, before Tom Homo went out and apologized and basically told the students that they, you know, not directly, but by implication that there was a problem there with them and that, that they needed to change their behavior and, you know, it, that's that's not the right way to do it. And, and to me, it kind of looked like we were trying to create a PR bubble to protect yeah. the university and the church. Mm-hmm. And that that just never works. It never, ever works. And, you know, uh, the, uh, the gal that made the accusation from um, the Duke volleyball team, she very well may have heard something, but she had just been at a seminar from an anti-racism organization. Mm-hmm just a few days before talking about this exact thing and how to, how you need to always look for racism. You need to look for it in every situation. That's what Ibram Kendi talks about in his books. You know, you you always every it's not whether or not racism happened in any situation. It's where is it? Yeah. And and so sure enough, she finds it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and I'm not discrediting her words or anything. I, I don't know. How would I know? I, I don't know. But it is interesting that she had just mm-hmm. gone to this seminar a few days before. Well, that same organization, it's called A Long Talk, mm-hmm. uh, actually, ironically, had been invited by some of the BYU teams to come and speak and for, for them, to the coaches, and some of the players to go through their program last summer. I don't mean just in 2022, but in 2021. And and they had had a relationship within a long talk. This is the same organization the Duke volleyball player went to. And wow. after going through this, the, the 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 athletic department is going back to that organization because they have a relationship with them. Saying, "What do we do? What what's going on here? How should we handle this?" Mm-hmm. Absolute crickets from that organization coming back to them. And and so that just tells you, you know you just have to be careful who you're getting in bed with. And you have to these these things are not always what you think they are. They're not built on compassion usually. That's usually not the agenda. And 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 latter day saints can be very susceptible to this kind of thing, to this message. And, and that's that's really not what's going on. So instead of going out and saying, we're going to investigate this right from the get-go with the mm-hmm. Duke volleyball team, we're going to go through everything and find out exactly what happened. And then they did do this. And after their investigation, they found no evidence. Yeah. But if they would have just said that to begin with, instead of taking a, a disabled kid and and banning him for life mm-hmm. because they're, they're, that was who was accused, one of yeah. the people accused. Mm-hmm. Uh, from coming to any BYU sports again, they yeah. put themselves in a position like here where you know previously it was the South Carolina basketball team, women's basketball team, that, that won't play the women's basketball this year because of this. Yeah. And you at least need to be able to stand on two feet and not one foot when, you, when you're dealing with these things. And to, to say right from the beginning, there is no evidence of this, mm-hmm. none. And, and they didn't do that. Yeah. Uh they, they acted as if there was a problem already. They 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 put they put the guilt on the students without any trial to begin with, no investigation to begin with on this. Mm-hmm. And and I think that puts you in a much weaker position with other teams. Because this yeah. we may not see the end of it. This is the second team that I know of that has said we're not playing you. Mm-hmm you know, and, and, and there may be more in the future. And and so I, I wish we would have handled this a little bit differently.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, it does mention and uh, Ted Welch, uh, or Ted Welch in the article mentions that the WCC, uh, approved of the way that BYU, uh, you know, the, the method or the, the measures that BYU had taken after this, uh, incident that, uh, they went through the investigation. They, uh, you know, uh, educated staff and uh, and uh, their students and, you know, this is yeah. just you know, the, the WCC stands with BYU in this and so the fact that we've got Pacific uh, you know, jumping on the bandwagon of, well, boycott BYU because alleged racism that was unfounded I mean, yeah this, this is one that there's plenty of racism at BYU. Um,
0: it didn't need to be manufactured, um, but this is one yeah, where, I, it, where I, it was. <laughs> again, I, you're ta- what, I would love to be a fly on the wall mm-hmm. at Pacific to yeah. know where all of this is being generated from. Is it, mm-hmm. is it the girls on, on the team? Is mm-hmm. it their coaches? Is it the athletic director? It, you know where, where is this really coming from? Good question. And, and why, if, if there's zero evidence, and there's been zero evidence, why, why are they doing this? To me, this is a statement. This is a virtue signaling statement. Yeah. Because there's no evidence of this whatsoever, and and they've they've mm-hmm. played Pacific many times before. Mm-hmm. So so what are they doing? If there's no evidence for this, uh, I, you know what what are you what are you saying by your statement? Yeah, you're, it, you're not only virtue signaling on your side, but you're also condemning. You're condemning those girls on the BYU volleyball team and all of its students at BYU. Yeah, just for attending BYU. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, so, and and so that, I, 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 I wish we could know exactly where that was coming from.
1: Yeah, for sure. Because that's not fair to those uh, those BYU students at all. Um. So if our, uh, if our listeners want to contribute and uh, give us your opinion, uh, this takes us to our question of the week. This is, once again, available only on Anchor. Uh, come over and answer the question, how do you feel about the Pacific volleyball team refusing to play BYU? And uh, you can give us your opinion there. <coughs> Excuse me. All right. I think that uh, pretty well wraps it up for us this week. Uh, thank you very much, Greg, for uh, joining us from Quick Media been a pleasure to have you again we look forward to hopefully having you back in the future too because uh it's always a good time for us
0: anytime just let me know
1: hey thank you very much again greg um we do want to give a shout out to weird alma for this episode's music and uh thanks so much for ruminating with us on the great and spacious beehive and remember remember no unhallowed hand can stop this podcast from progressing have a good night
0: When it comes to nicknames of the church, such as LDS Church, the Mormon Church, to remove the Lord's name from the Lord's church is a major victory for Satan. Satan, Satan, Satan.
1: Please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a being with no moral constraints. My
0: number one goal is to hurt the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints.